0: by the way you can begin praying right now for this week we have our annual boys and girls camp happens this monday through friday many of you are serving in some way or giving in some way but pray especially for our children and pray especially for um for the counselors who are working with them they probably need more prayer than the rest of us so we we want to pray for that this week um and thank you for many of you who participated in the golf outing yesterday for the Nazarene Community Resource Center. Uh, I don't know how much we raised, and we'll find out at some point later on, after all the bills are paid and all that kind of stuff. But thank you for participating or sponsoring. Um, it's much appreciated. So I was thinking about how today, uh, my mom is a pretty good baker. Like, she's a really good cook, and good baker, but, but maybe like some of you, I don't know, she occasionally will get fixated on a particular thing and make it over and over and over and over again. I know none of you would probably do that, but, but she got in this stuff when I was in college called friendship bread. Maybe you've had it. I'll, I'll explain it in a minute. But she made friendship bread. She made so much friendship bread that we would have muffins and small loaves and large loaves and weird-looking cake things all over the place. Um, We would have some with just the cinnamon flaky crust. They're really good, by the way. Uh, But I've had so much, I don't know if I want any more. And it would be like cinnamon flaky top, and then she would make a homemade icing to go over the top, and she'd drizzle it over the top of it, and had cinnamon kind of throughout. So good. Um, She made so much, though, like she would just have to give it away. So I'd come home from college, and I would have like Tupperware containers full of bread. That if I ate it all, I would have been sick, before it was moldy. Uh, So my roommates got lots of bread as well. Like it was a win for everybody. It's amazing that my family didn't weigh 400 pounds each during that stretch of time that she made this bread all the time. And so I was thinking about this particular bread. It's called friendship bread. And and maybe here's why it was called friendship bread. Maybe. I don't know for sure. Um, It's bread, right? It's got cinnamon. It was good. But it... It took this yeast that you made at home and it took, I asked her this week, I said, how long did it take to make that yeast? And she said, well, it actually takes 10 days. And if you don't do it on day 10, it spoils. And if you don't do it on day 10, um, you're better to do it day 9 than day 11. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm never making this. And um, she would often be giving this yeast away to, to friends, right? She would give it away to my aunts and so there was a stretch where everybody in my parents' church was making friendship bread, and so a church of like 300 people. There was a lot of bread going around, and so I remember saying like, "Hey, maybe we should stop making this bread." And She's like, "Well, but if you don't use this, you have to waste it. This yeast, you have to use it." And I was like, "Well, maybe you shouldn't make it anymore. It's okay." But I was thinking about how the overflow of this yeast really was for the benefit of others. That really was the value. It was called friendship bread because if a friend of yours made this, it would multiply and you could give it away and they could use it. And then they could give it away and someone else could use it. And so it was called friendship bread, I think, because you can give it to all your friends and you can keep expanding it out further and further. And so what one person does in a single solitary kitchen, unseen by other people, can have a dramatic impact on a bunch of others. Makes sense. Makes sense. Here's what I believe to be true. I think that idea of friendship bread, that idea of yeast is a particular kind of yeast. Um, I think the idea of what happens in an unseen, quiet, undramatic place can have radical impact on others. I think that's true not just when it comes to yeast, but I think that's true in our lives. Right? What are the little conversations, the little Actions, the little habits, the little patterns that over time they build up and become something so much greater. Little steps have big consequences. When we look further down our life, and so the question for you and I: What are the little things that you and I do that have significant consequence in our lives? So I'm going to pick on myself for just a moment. Um, it's been I don't know, quite a while ago now. I don't remember exactly when, and um, I. I Typically on a Sunday morning when I park my car and start walking in the building, I kind of look around the church property and I pick up trash or whatever things I see that's been thrown on Saturday night as people drive by, and I just do it every Sunday morning, don't think much about it. I'm sure I miss stuff, but, but never intentionally. There was one Sunday, though, where after church, it had been one of those really long mornings for me, and I was like, I just want to go home. And I walked outside, and there was like a piece of trash kind of blowing, and it was going to blow towards the church. I saw where it was going, and I thought, it'll be there tomorrow. I'll pick it up tomorrow. And I started to leave, and then someone from church was staying there looking looked at me go, you're going to leave that, aren't you? Thanks, Todd. Thanks for catching me. And I said, I was, but not now. <laughs> and so I picked it up, and I made two decisions in that moment. One, um, don't put off something for tomorrow that you can just do right now, even when you're tired. Um, two... It's those little decisions we make when we think no one is watching. that sometimes someone is watching. And sometimes the consequence, a piece of trash in a parking lot, not that big a deal. But what about other areas of our lives? What are the other areas of our life where if we're not careful, that moment that we're alone, that thing tired or not, that if we do this or don't do this, it has impact. Right, what are the little decisions we keep making them likely to good outcomes in our life? And what are the little decisions that if we keep making them are going to lead to destruction in our life and terrible outcomes for those around us? See, I do believe Jesus understood this, and I think he taught about this. I think he spoke to this in a way that we might begin to understand the way he is at work in the world and the way he desires for us to be at work in the world. And Jesus told these things called parables, these stories. And so a parable is a story that teaches us about God, ourselves, and the world around us. In parables, these stories are typically kind of multi-layered, and there's like an initial reading that you might get something, and then if you think about over time, you might get something else. Rarely do we understand them in one sitting or one setting, and so what we find is this, um, that they speak to the human condition and to life, and so Jesus does this again and again and again, and he tells dozens and dozens of parables throughout the Scriptures. My guess is he told many more parables that were never recorded. That's my guess. And so my guess is his followers said these were the ones that were most impactful or the ones that we felt like were most appropriate to try to tell the story of who God is in the person of Jesus. And so he writes these down. So we have this parable from Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. It says this, he told them still another parable. By the way, if I was one of Jesus' disciples who followed him around, I'd say, could you quit telling stories and just tell me plainly what you were trying to say? because I don't always get your stories. And he would say, that's the point. You're supposed to think about it. And I'd go, I don't like this kind of teaching. But I didn't get to have that conversation, and he would tell me to get over it. So, that's what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Again, Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. So Matthew records the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of God, uh, which the other Gospels would talk about, and here's why. Matthew's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, and if he says the kingdom of God, they're going to accuse him of being a blasphemer and ignore what he has to say. So Matthew says kingdom of heaven. So when you read the Scriptures, kingdom of heaven, just equate kingdom of God. Same thing. And so your question might be, what is the kingdom of heaven? Of God. What is the kingdom of heaven? It is God's rule and reign. It is God's realm. And so, what's Jesus come to say? There is the way of the world in which you live, but there is another way. And the other way is the way my followers are called to live. I don't care what the values of the world may or may not be. I don't care the values of your nation or your community or your school. Here are the values of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. And then he tells these parables, right? I kind of hate this about when he does this. But Jesus tells stories about his kingdoms so that we can know what it looks like to live as if the kingdom of heaven is here and now not just to come. We might live as people of his kingdom in this day, in this place, in this time. I know. I wish again he would have said it differently sometimes. But here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's probably not surprising to you, I don't bake a lot. The only thing I typically bake are chocolate chip cookies. You don't need yeast for those, I don't think. They turn out pretty well. I don't put yeast in them. Maybe some more. I've even made them from scratch occasionally, not just from the package where you break them apart and put them in the oven, right? I do both. I sometimes like the package better. Here's why. I have less because the batch makes more and I just keep eating them, right? Most people can make one package of chocolate chip cookies and it can feed like multiple families. Not in our house, Between my son and I, one package is for us. I don't know what anyone else is going to have. It's why I don't make them very often, because I will eat them all. And I both love and appreciate my son, who has now joined me in that endeavor. Um, It's good because it lessens the amount I eat, but it's probably not good for him either. So, yeasts, right, I don't know much about yeasts. I know it makes stuff rise. I know like maybe you've had at family gatherings, those yeast rolls where you sit them out and they like expand. I know that's what yeast does. Yeast expands. And so maybe you're like me going, well, why, um, why does yeast matter? Well, I know this. The, bread that's, the breads that exist without yeast aren't nearly as good as the breads that have yeast. There's no friendship bread without yeast. Right, There's no good bread from a bakery without yeast. There's no good rolls without yeasts. I mean, you can have pita bread, and it's okay. But it's not as good as like good bread out of the oven. Have you walked into a place where they bake fresh bread? Minus Subway? That's a different kind of smell. Right, Fresh bread smells so good. If you walked into your grandma's house, and your grandma was a baker, and you just smelled it like, oh. Remember my grandma used to make homemade bread, and she she do that all the time. And then she got a bread maker, and then she made a lot of bread. Um, it was kind of like the friendship bread before the friendship bread but here's the reality what is Jesus trying to say he's trying to say this the yeast causes things to expand in baking right we get that and I don't know about you but like I said he mentions 60 pounds of flour um, like I said I, the only thing I bake are chocolate chip cookies and, and it's like a cup or two of flour I don't know how much, it's not much it's not, not even a pound of flour and I make a lot of cookies. So here's my question. Like I, was, I literally started Googling how much bread can you make with 60 pounds of flour? And so if you're making loaves of bread, you can make between 60 and 75 loaves of bread. It sounds like actually pretty good sized loaves to make that are that large. A pound of flour is a lot um, for bread. And so you're making a lot of bread. Well, so here's what Jesus is saying, right? There's no way one person can eat all that bread. Right. No one family will eat 60 loaves of bread before some of it goes bad, right? You with me there? Makes sense. I'm, I, I don't think that's a stretch. If your family can eat 60 loaves of bread, you do all weigh 400 pounds. No, um, that was not, anyway. So what's implied? A lot of bread's going to be made. It's more than enough bread for more than one family, And if you're making all this bread, the implication is that you're going to bake it at some point. So it's going to expand more, it's going to be cooked, it's going to grow. And so maybe you're saying, well, what in the world does this have to do with our lives? Well, it begs two questions. What are the things that we allow to expand in our lives? And I would also ask this question with it. What are the things that we give time to in our lives. You see, we all have normal rhythms of our life. Normal rhythms shape who we are, what we do, and even who we become. Some of these are intentional, some of these are unintentional, we have particular patterns that we live from over and over again. We call these things daily habits or building blocks for our lives. And we all have them and we all do them. We all have routines that we do every day, right? Routines, maybe you brush your teeth for two minutes. Mine has a little timer, so I know when two minutes is up. Um, right, like we do these things every single day and they're building blocks for our lives, right? So, like I like pick on teeth brushing, right? If you do it two minutes a day, twice a day, probably you'll have pretty good teeth someday, and then the building block is, hopefully I don't have to replace them all later, right? Like, it's cheaper to not, right? That's the goal. But there are other habits in life that we develop, right? We eat breakfast most mornings, right? Some of us have morning routines. Maybe it looks like this. You brush your teeth. You eat your breakfast. Maybe you flip that. You watch the news. You check social media. Maybe you exercise, or you study scripture, or you spend time in prayer, But here's the reality for most of us, we don't think about it much. We just do it because it's a pattern or it's a habit. It's a rhythm of our life. The problem is some of those rhythms that shape us, if we're honest and we begin to look at them, we don't really want to shape us. Here's what I mean. The average person globally is on social media for two and a quarter hours per day. The average person, that's globally. That's not just in America. The American number, by the way, is much higher. Globally, people are on their phones 3.15 hours per day. Americans, got to win at something, We're on their 5.4 hours per day. Some of you go, oh, not on my phone. Well, here, television. The average American that is 75 years and older Watches five plus hours of television per day. 35 to 44 year olds watch two hours per day. This stuff shapes us more than we care to admit. Why are you talking about this? Because right rhythms of life matter. It's like yeast. Over time, it expands, and it shapes who we are. For better, for worse. For good, for poor. How do I know? How do I know this stuff shapes us? How do I know that we're more shaped by screens and television and other kinds of things? Because we're increased polarization politically. We have inability for civil conversation due to people having watched or listened to only one perspective, whatever that perspective might be, or people who are on their computers and become keyboard warriors. It's, it's, it has increased mental health issues. Young people today are so messed up from their social media and from their phones. Not just young people, by the way, it's old people too. But, but it's an epidemic. It is a problem. And the lie that we buy into is that we're missing out if we don't do it. But the truth is, like I have taken social media off my phone Actually, kind of. I didn't actually delete it. I just hit it somehow. I don't even know where it is. It's there, but I don't know how you find it. It's one of the greatest moves I ever made. I keep it because I know many of you are on there, and if I need to find out what's going on in your life, that's the easiest way to go, right? But it's too easy for us to roll out of bed and hit a social media app and pay attention to that and be shaped by that. And here's the reality, marketers on every side of whatever aisles you're talking about, they all live on one particular area, one. And they all push it, and it's their agenda for all of them. Do you know what it is? Fear. Fear. You pick whatever your favorite news channel is, you pick whatever you watch, I guarantee you fear is what's driving 95% of what they do. Why? Because if I can make you afraid, I can make you lean in more. If I can make you afraid, you will buy in more to what I have to say. Think it's not true? You know, the number one advertisement I hear, even on podcasts that I listen to, the number one advertisement is Simply Safe Home Solutions. The number one thing I hear all the time: Simply Safe. They must be killing it, by the way. Why? Because if I can make you afraid, they'll purchase more for your home to keep you safer. It's not about your safety, it's about your fear. If I can push you in this direction more and more, do I need to keep going? Probably not. And some of you are going, I thought you were talking about Jesus and his kingdom. I thought that's what we were talking about here. You started talking about yeast a minute ago. Now you're talking about simply safe. Well, I'm so confused. What are we talking about? Because what grabs us, what we listen to, These little decisions, these things that we watch, they shape us and they mold us and help us to become who we are. It is far easier to pick up our phone and click on our favorite social media app than it is to pray. It is easier to take a selfie and wonder about my likes on Instagram than it is to practice meditation. It's far easier to flip on the TV and watch SportsCenter or the news than it is to read their Bible. By the way, here's a crazy thing. Um, A few years ago, had I typed in SportsCenter or selfie in Microsoft Word, it would have been flagged as a misspelling. Not anymore. In fact, it auto-corrected my SportsCenter to capitalize because it's a legit thing at this point. I remember just a couple years ago typing selfie in a sermon and it got flagged as being misspelled. No longer is that the case. Here's the reality. No one wakes up, or at least I don't think no one wakes up and thinks, huh, you know what? I think I want to spend 44 years of my life in front of a screen. But unless many of us change our patterns or our habits, we're going to. And that will become the primary voice that we hear. That will be the voice that shapes us over and over again. See, no one wants to allow marketers or advertisers or news anchors or social media influencers to be the primary disciple of you. But unless you and I change the habits, the yeast of our lives, that will be what shapes us the most, not the words of Jesus and his kingdom. And so the question for you and I is, what are the yeasts of your life? What are the yeasts of your life? What are these small things that we're allowing to grow and expand and to shape? What are those things? Some of them we give much thought to. Some of them we give very little thought. But here's what I do believe Jesus is trying to say to us in this particular text. If we allow the things of his kingdom to expand in us to be baked in us, to be molded and shaped, and allow His Spirit to do this kind of work, what we might think the things that we consume, if we consume His Scripture and time with Him and time in community, if that becomes the thing that shapes us the most, if that becomes the primary yeast of our life that's mixed through, What we might find is this, that if we live with intentional prayer, spending time in daily devotion to God, spending time in the scriptures or some kind of Bible study or a daily devotional, if we live that way, that would be what shapes us the most, not the least. If you want to change the community in which you live, if you want to change the community in which we live, if you want to change your home or your workplace, here's how it happens. Change your heart. Change your heart. Ask God, you and I both, we need to ask God to shape us so that our hearts are changed, so we look more like his son. You want the community to change? You want your country to change? You want your neighborhood? This is how it happens. I promise you, you're not going to find it on a keyboard or on a screen, but it's going to happen when you and I are radically transformed by the love and the grace of Christ. So here's the question. All these things that we consume or live out or practice have implication. In fact, I'd say it this way, don't miss this, small habits have significant impact. Small habits have significant impact. What are the small habits that we choose? Back to the picture of my mom or others making yeast for friendship bread in the kitchen, right? What one person does in secret, solitary, quiet place has radical impact on others. I won't share any details, but I will say this. Just this week, a person who played a pivotal role in my life had had been making decisions privately that no one else knew about, and they came to life, and they have destroyed their family and the impact they've had on so many other people. What we do in secret, what we do in quiet, what we do when we think no one else is watching has such an impact. If you and I are not careful, we will make decisions in secret and not recognize the ramifications until later down the line. And so the question for you and I, are the things we're doing in secret when no one is around, are they the kind of things that are going to lead to good overflowing in our life or things that are bad and destructive overflowing in our life? To do things in secret isn't bad, depending on what we do. What is it that we're doing? What is it that's shaping us? Right? I have told you again and again, and I'll say it to let, I'm blue in the face. I want the regular rhythm and pattern of my kids' life to be spending time with Jesus. I want them to be so ingratiated into that that they feel like there's no other choice. I know they have a choice to not choose it, but I want it to be like, why would I choose that? Because it's all I know. I don't want them to live in such a way where they have all these other choices they're going to make over that. I want them to know all these other things exist. I do, right? I don't want to shelter my kids in that way. I want to try to as age appropriate as I can. I don't want to shelter them from that, but I want them to recognize, but if we're shaped by who Jesus is, we're going to choose this particular way of life. And we're going to move into this way of life. This is my challenge to parents and grandparents in this room. Invite your kids into the life of the church and the life of following Christ. Invite them into this. Don't make it optional for them. I know that sounds so like judgmental. It is. Because I think it matters. I think it matters eternally. And here's the problem for us as we have too often bought in this idea that the secret relationship with God like the me and Jesus is sufficient. Right? Well, this is between me and Jesus. I've heard that before. Maybe I've said it. I don't know. If I've said it, it's been a long time. But we'll say, like, that's between me and Jesus. Like, you know, God and I are working this out. Well, can I just tell you that's not in the Bible? It's not in the New Testament. This idea that me and Jesus is sufficient is nowhere to be found. What you'll find again and again is it's supposed to be lived out in the context of community. I'm not saying you need to come on Sunday morning and tell your air your dirty laundry to everybody around you. Don't do that. But I will say this, that if you think that you can just... Figure out everything on your own. Me and Jesus is enough. I promise you it isn't. It wasn't enough for the followers of Jesus. It's not enough for you and I. I don't care if you're the most disciplined person at practicing spiritual practices or rhythms or holy habits. I don't care if you're incredible at that. If you do it on your own, by yourself, and never engage other people in confession and in conversation, I promise you it is not enough. It's not sufficient. Because when we practice me and Jesus' faith, we miss the point of this parable. Again, why would a woman mix yeast in 60 pounds of flour? In that day, you weren't freezing anything. Why would you mix in 60 pounds of flour? Because you should just share it with other people. Because the moments with God are meant to overflow into the lives of those around us. What might happen if we spent more time with God? So don't hear me say, don't spend time with me and Jesus. What might happen if that was just a part of our life and it overflowed our lives around us, right? The kingdom of heaven is like this. It is such at work in you and among you and in you as a people that it would permeate all aspects of your life. It would work its way through everything that you are, and then you would share it with everyone else by the way that you live. And so the question for us is, do you and I live from an overflow of the abundance of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy, or do some other things shape us into who we are? Because like yeasts, things will work themselves through our lives, and they will expand and we'll share it with others. But is what we're sharing good? Is what we're sharing, is it something that looks like Jesus? Or does it look like something else? Here's the good news again today. Jesus' kingdom is like yeast. It may seem small. But if we we'll allow it to work through our lives, it will help it to grow and expand. And eventually it will be a thing that has shaped more of who we are than anything else. Here's the good news. We are responsible for the mixing in of God's kingdom, and then God does the work. We're responsible for saying, yeah, I want to build these practices, these habits, these rhythms into my life, because here's the great thing. Whatever has held us bondage or captive or kept us from overflowing God's love and grace, or kept us from receiving it, whatever those things may be, God's kingdom enters into our life and into our heart in such a way that it changes us and shapes us so that who we were is who we are no longer and then the overflow of that the overabundance of all this expansion changes us it can change our homes it can change our neighborhoods our workplaces our schools wherever we may go may be radically transformed by the very goodness of God. And then you and I might find that not only do we receive his kingdom, but we begin to expand the kingdom of God by how we live and who we are. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Here's a cool thing. Yesterday we had a golf outing, um, and I have a guy named Dick Fry, uh, who is a charter member of this church, passed away several years ago now. Some of you knew him, some of you didn't. I um, had the privilege of getting to be his pastor for just about two years. And one of the cool things about his life, is I was thinking about, like I was thinking of an illustration this week. How do I come up with an illustration, right? Because I, I, I don't I want to end, I don't want to end with the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Like, it, I mean, it is, that's what Jesus said, but I thought maybe something would be helpful. But, but what might happen if we lived in such a way that our lives became the overflow of God's goodness and God's graciousness and God's love. And so we had a golf outing yesterday in honor of Dick Fry because he loved to play golf. One, um, that's probably the biggest one of the reasons. But the other reason is this, that there was something about his life that he desired for it to overflow into the lives of others. He spent his life trying to invite people to come to know Jesus. If you want to give your life to something, it's a pretty good thing to give your life to. Was a high school teacher who did that. Pretty good investment. And see, here's the crazy thing about the way the grace of God works is sometimes what we do that seems to be not noticed by anyone else is noticed. And the good thing is this, that we maybe have done some stuff in secret that we wish would stay secret, and maybe it just will. But if we start doing things in secret right now that might change who we are in good ways and change the people around us in good ways, then those kind of things that happen in secret, we want to come out in great ways. So what about you and I? Will we choose to live lives We recognize the kingdom of heaven is like yeast? We will choose practices and patterns and daily habits that will lead us to expand God's love, or are we going to choose things to be more shaped by what the top ten on Sports Center or what the breaking news of the day is? That's the invitation for you and I. What will shape us the most? And maybe, just maybe, if you and I will choose to be most shaped by Jesus, to be most shaped by his scriptures, to be most shaped by discipleship and study, then maybe, just maybe, our families really will change, our communities, our schools. Maybe, just maybe, we'll take Jesus' message seriously. And he says, go make disciples in all the world. Maybe, just maybe, God's kingdom will come. God's rule, God's reign will show up here and now. And we'll recognize our primary citizenship is as his people in his kingdom. And you and I will be the overflow of that. Why? Because God so loved the entire world that he gave his only son. If we just believe in him and seek after him, that he would transform not just us, but the whole world. And that is the hope in which we gather, because the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Father, will you help us today to be people who find ourselves wrapped up in your love, to be so defined by who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do. And so, Father, we ask that you might be at work in us and through us, that you might shape us and mold us, That we might become more and more the people who look like your son, that we would be most shaped by him more than anything else. The primary shaper of our lives would be Jesus. That we would invest more of our time and our energy and our effort into coming to know him and helping others to know him so we might know who we are. We might know our purpose in life. We might live with a passion. The depth of our love for other people might be radically impactful to our family and our friends. And so, Father, may you help us in all the ways we come up short. And Father, maybe today we just need to lay down some things that have happened in secret. And we need to let them go. We need to confess them so we can find healing from them. Because if we're not careful, the things in secret can shape us more than we want them to. And so maybe that all of our practices that are in secret are things we actually want to be shared publicly. And so, Father, help us to become more and more the people of God who are defined by your grace and your truth and your love. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name.